judge other people choosing yourself over God thinking God needs your help it shows hardness in your heart and that word impenitent literally means a heart without repentance so you realize if you can look down your nose and condemn somebody else because of the decisions that they're making even though you know they're wrong it actually shows hardness of heart in your heart and it shows the fact that you are not repenting you're not turning away from that and turning to God Passing judgment on others is not the job of Jesus' disciples. The perfect Savior of the world doesn't need your help at all to discern what's right and wrong in someone's heart. Pastor Daniel, today we'll remind you that when you do judge someone, you're revealing that your heart is hard toward others. Don't let that be the case in your life. Ask Jesus to work in you to open and soften your heart, allowing you to bring people to the kingdom. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 2 as he continues his message, The Standard is Good. The problem is, is whatever standard you set up for other people that you judge people against, that you condemn people with, you're actually falling short. You know why? Because the things that you hate about other people are always the things that you do. Or as I like to say it, my sin looks terrible when you do it. Here's how I know. Think about the things that bug you the most about somebody. I guarantee you it's something that you've either struggled with or you're struggling with presently. Like if you're in a conversation like so-and-so is always talking. I guarantee if you ask your spouse, you're a super chatty Kathy. I guarantee it. Because you just don't like competition for the talking space. Right? If you're like so-and-so is so hypocritical. Right? And it's, I guarantee you, if that's where you are, I guarantee you, there's hypocrisy going on in your own heart. You just don't like it seeing it reflected back at you. Or, of course, some of the most condemnatory people are people who've struggled with something in the past who aren't struggling with it right now, but they're looking down on people who struggled the way they used to. Right? And so, really what he's saying is that, rather than being, like, if you were look at the people who are living out Romans chapter 1, that second half of the chapter, and you judge them, he's saying, look, because God judged by truth, you're actually condemned as well, because you don't live up to all that stuff either. And by very nature, the problem with judgment is that when you judge, judgment at its root, you know what the root sin is? Idolatry. Because you know what? God hasn't asked you to be the judge of everybody. God didn't ask you to sit on the federal court of he needs help judging the world. (laughs) Billy Graham said it this way. It's God's job to judge. It's the spirit's job to convict. And it's my job to love. But for too many of us, we think God needs help. Like he, like it's the, it's the fourth circuit court of you. And you look at everybody, you look down your nose at them, but really what you're doing is you're saying, I am God. God has entrusted me to condemn you. No, listen, only God is the judge of the world. And the beauty of who God is, is God judges based on truth. Because he is the truth. Jesus is the truth. God doesn't need help in judgment. But the church has decided that this is the best way to get at it. And I'm here to tell you it's wrong. And that's why so often the Christian witness in this generation is broken. Because we see a speck in someone else's eye, but we don't realize there's a plank hanging out of our own eye. Now you realize, if you think of a speck as like a piece of sawdust, a plank is a whole lot of pieces of sawdust that are still together. 
So you go to help someone with their speck and you nail them in the head with your two by four. And nobody likes that. Nobody likes that. He's saying, look, first deal with your own junk. And as you deal with your own junk, you're not going to bang someone in the head with a two by four. Right? Because you've removed that thing and you deal with them in humility. See, here's the thing. Because God judges by truth, then you and I, we should choose goodness. Because look at what it says. In verse 4, it says, Or do you despise the riches of God's goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, for knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? See, here's the thing. The wrath of the church will never lead someone to repentance. Your judgment on somebody else who is not following Jesus will never lead them to repentance. Why? Because it's not your job to do that. What leads someone to repentance? God's what? God's goodness. That's what it says right there. That's what I want you to do. I want you to take your pen. I want you to circle verse 4 in your neighbor's Bible. Go ahead. Circle it. Circle it. And circle in yours as well. You don't want to miss that verse. Here's the deal. When you and I judge other people, what according to this verse, it says that we are despising. Now, despising is like really serious, passionate displeasure, right? You are despising God's goodness, all the things that pertain to good, his forbearance, which speaks of God's self-control, and then also his long-suffering, which is an old word for patience. And the best definition of patience is to suffer for a long time. That when you judge somebody else, you are despising the very character of God. And not just those three attributes, but notice it says the riches of those attributes. So it's not just that God is good and that God is patient and that God is is self-willed and self-controlled as he waits, but God is wealthy in those characteristics. And when we, as God's people, judge somebody else, we are actually despising his character because we forget that it's not the judgment of a person that leads us to repentance, it's God's goodness. The reason you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ along the way, those of you who are here, who are followers of Jesus, is because of God's goodness along the way you realize that God's grace can save you. Long before you realize that grace was bought at the cross, you realize that God's goodness wooed you to his side. And brothers and sisters, if that's the case for us, then why should we ever think that our wrath or our frustration with other people is going to redeem them? I'm here to tell you, when you realize that your methodology stinks, change it. I got to ask you this question, because I realize I'm talking about life intention, right? Like we're here, we're talking about real life here. If you're one of those kind of look down on everyone, Christian, everyone's all jacked up, you're messed up. You got to ask yourself, has anyone gotten saved through the ministry that you're doing? Has anyone come to know Jesus? And I'm here to tell you, if nobody has, then guess what? You got to change your tactics because they wrong. They're not God's tactics. Because you know why? When you're busy judging someone, you have no room to love them. They're mutually exclusive. If you hate someone and you hate everything that they stand for, then guess what? There's no room to love that person. And so God actually wants you and I to be vehicles of God's goodness into this world. Your presence in those people's lives, even though you disagree with everything that they do, your presence in their lives, you're supposed to be a vehicle of God's goodness for them. You're supposed to be an ambassador of Jesus for them. And you got to ask, am I willing to do that? 
Now, you have to realize, we live in a day and age where people say, well, if you love me, you'll always agree with me. I'm here to tell you that is not true anywhere. Just ask your spouse. Ask your parents. They love you. They don't love everything you do. And guess what? Same with Jesus. Jesus loves you, but he doesn't love everything we do. So by loving someone doesn't mean you agree with everything that they do. That's not even logical. That never happens anywhere. People say, well, if you love me, you're going to champion everything I stand for. Wrong. Love is, you don't agree with them, but you still choose to love them anyway. And I'm here to tell you, when the people of God love a world that doesn't know Jesus, and then because we are vehicles of God's goodness into the world, then at some point they start talking about their life. You're like, you know what? I super love you, and it's your life, but I just don't agree with that. They don't even know what to do. Like, they're not offended that you said that. Because they know that they're loved by you. And I'll be honest with you. The number of people in my life on this journey who along the way says, Daniel, I love you and I believe in you, but I do not think that that's okay what you're doing. I'm so grateful for those people because faithful are the wounds of somebody who love you. Somebody who loves you enough to call you on your junk. And I pray all of us. That's why groups are so important here at Crossroads. Because everybody needs someone who's going to call you on your junk. Because guess what? We all got junk. And the key for us is because we know we have our own junk, because we've already not lived up to the standards we hold against everybody else, then we don't want to judge people because God is the judge. So we want to just choose to be good. Now, here's the thing. Before I leave this point, I want to say this. First, it's actually easier to love people at a distance who you don't know than not judge the people who live the closest to you. So here's the deal. For those of you who are married with your kids, how much judgment are you given to your spouse or your kids or you kids to your parents? See, it's a lot easier. I'm going to love everybody except the people who I've seen all their warts, all their junk. I've seen them in their worst moments. And I want to tell you, God wants it to exist right where you are. So your job is to be a vehicle of God's goodness to everybody, no matter what they are. You don't have to agree with them to still be a vehicle for God's goodness to reach them. Now, What's amazing as we move to verse 5, as we see, we've seen the first one, God judges by truth, so we choose goodness, right? Now we move to verse 5, it says, but in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good, seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, wrath, tribulation, and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also the, of the Greek, verse 10. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. Now, remember I told you in verse 11 is the second criteria by which God erects his standard of judgment. So now we see that God judges impartially, without partiality. So because of that, then we should work what is good. And I get that right out of verse 10. Notice, but glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good. So I say, God judges impartially, so work what is good. Now, that word impartially means with total fairness. 
So really what you find in this next section is that God in his standard that he erects on humanity does it with all fairness, not giving preference to one person over the next person. It's part of God's perfection that he is completely fair, even in the way he applies the standard to everyone. So for those of us who aren't living out in crazy unrighteousness and ungodliness that we saw in Romans chapter one, the reason judgment puts us at a problem is actually explained to us in verse five. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Now, we don't think about it that way, but here's the thing. When you choose to judge other people, choosing yourself over God, thinking God needs your help, it shows hardness in your heart. And that word impenitent literally means a heart without repentance. So you realize, if you can look down your nose and condemn somebody else because of the decisions that they're making, even though you know they're wrong, it actually shows hardness of heart in your heart. And it shows the fact that you are not repenting. You're not turning away from that and turning to God. You're embracing that. Now, you, you see how nasty that is. And he's saying, when you're doing that, guess what? You're deserving of wrath and the revelation of God's righteous judgment. Ouch. Talk about attention. Listen, if you're here today and you're judgmental, stop it. It shows the hardness of your heart. It shows the lack of repentance in your heart. Why? Because look at what he says, verse 6. Who will, God will render to each one according to his deeds. Now that's a quotation from Psalm 62, 12. And then Proverbs 24, 12. So 62, 12 and Proverbs 24, 12. So really what he's saying is that when you judge other people, God will render to you according to those deeds. And then what he does is he gets broken into two different categories. One category are those who want to choose what is good, who don't want to judge other people, who want to follow after the Lord. And then the second category are those who don't want to choose the Lord, who don't want to follow after him. In one category, it says eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. And then again, if you get down to verse 10, but glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also for the Greek. So in one group of people, they're seeking after eternal life in patiently continuing and doing good, right? You just keep, and by doing it, you're seeking after glory, honor, immortality, and then also we get peace in verse 10. So one group of people is not judging other people, And then the other group of people is living however they want to. They're self-seeking. This is verse 9. And they don't obey the truth, but they obey unrighteousness. And if that's the case, then they get indignation, wrath, tribulation, and anguish on every person, no matter what your background is. Now, here's the deal. And I don't want to spend too much time here, but I want to make sure I get this down for everyone. Listen, you realize that the standard by which you choose to live and what you get at, that's your choice. But you realize that if you choose not to follow Jesus, all the issues you're having, you're choosing them for yourself. You realize that, right? Like it says here that if you choose to be self-seeking, where it's all about you, it's not God-seeking, it's self-seeking. And you choose not to obey the truth, but to follow after unrighteousness, all the stuff that you're dealing with, you chose that for yourself. And what I want to tell you is this, there's nothing more illogical than making decisions that leads you to anguish, indignation. 
But guess what? I'll be honest with you, I didn't grow up going to church. So I know what this is like. And I remember the point when I'm watching my life and I'm looking at the ramifications of the decisions I'm making. I'm saying, you realize I'm bringing this all on myself. I'm choosing this for myself. Now, I realize that there's a lot of reasons we make bad choices. We, we make decisions that lead us in a certain angle. But I'm here to tell you, just because you used to be that doesn't mean that you need to be that anymore. Like, you used to do all these things. But when you realize that what you're doing is not getting you the things that you want, it's actually wisdom to change course. And just the way I told the people here who are followers of Jesus, if they're judging people, they're getting no fruit in the work of evangelism from their life, then they need to change their tactics in the same way, if you're here today and you're not following Jesus, which the Bible says you're self-seeking, you're not obeying the truth, who Jesus is, because Jesus is the truth, God's truth, and you're getting all these ramifications that you don't want, I'm going to tell you, you can change your ways as well. And God wants you to make that change. He wants you to make different decisions. Because there's nothing worse than choosing something that you really don't want the outcome of. And God has given each one of us the ability to choose because he created us in his image and according to his likeness. So you can make a change. And for some of you, I'm gonna, you're going to say yes to Jesus for the first time at the end of this service. And I can't wait. But I want to let you know, you don't have to live that way. You're choosing to. Sure, there's all sorts of reasons that led you to make these choices and to develop these habits and to live this way. But I'm here to tell you that that doesn't have to be your total story. That may have been a couple chapters of your life. And there's many people here who can tell you those type of stories, including myself, where there's lots of chapters of my life that were written in complete unrighteousness, ungodliness, total calamity. But it doesn't have to be your future. It may have been your past. It doesn't have to be your present or future, but you have to come to Christ. Now, here's the thing. When it says that God, there's no partiality with God. Here's what you need to remember is that God is fair in the way he judges. I want to read to you a passage from Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 16 to 20. And I think you're going to, this passage is kind of powerful. And it's going to be very relevant to the way we live our lives and especially the way we hold our politics today. So I'm going to, I just want, if you're uh, one of those people who every time politics comes up, your blood starts to boil, then just take a couple in the nose, out the mouth, in the nose, out the mouth. Because I guarantee I'm going to aggravate you in about three seconds. Okay, so let me read it to you and then let me aggravate you in Jesus' name. It's, <laughs> it says this, Deuteronomy 10, verses 16 to 20. Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality, nor takes a bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Therefore, love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast and take oaths in his name. Now, notice, I mean, there's not a more biblical verse than verse 16. Circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. You got to love the Bible. I mean, this is like, you got, I could never even make up something as brilliant as this. The idea of circumcising, it means cutting away in your heart what's unnecessary. Get rid of that stuff. God wants to do a heart work, heart surgery in your life by cutting away certain things that are there, but you don't need them to be there. They're there, but they're not part of the covenant that God has. So he wants you to cut away. And don't be stiff-necked any longer. See, the reason we get stiff-necked, the reason we get hard-hearted is because we're not allowing God to do the heart surgery he wants to do. 
And then he reminds us, of course, for the Lord is the God of gods. He is the true and living God. He's mighty and awesome. And he shows no partiality. The God who created and sustains everything shows no partiality. And then it says this. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Therefore, you should love the stranger, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. Now, stop right there. Now, you realize why this is going to get me in trouble. Because God's word is not into American partisan politics. Could I get an amen? Now, here's the thing. I have my political views like everybody else. And I hold my political views very close because they're mine. And I'm passionate about them. But here's the thing. Many of us are reading our political views into our Bible and not reading our Bible into our political views. And here's the thing. Both parties are trying to read their politics into your Bible. And that's wrong. You're supposed to read your Bible into our politics. Right? Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You hear what it says there? That God administers justice to the fatherless and the widow. Now, the fatherless and the widow were the two groups of people in that culture who were completely vulnerable. That because of the lack of the patriarch in that culture, whether a woman or children who did not have a father, they were completely vulnerable and they were very easy to be exploited. Now, in this generation, there's lots of very vulnerable people who are exploited by our culture. Right? But God is a God, because of his impartiality, who protects and advocates for that. Now, on top of that, the other group of people who I left out on purpose is the stranger, the foreigner, who is in the land seeking refuge. And it says that God feeds them and clothes them. And then it says that we should love the stranger because we were strangers. Now, here's the thing. (laughs) Here's the thing. I realize that we live in a scary world. And I realize that people try and exploit our borders to do ill to people in this country. Okay? But guess what? Not everybody. And here's the thing. Before you clap, I'm going to offend everybody in a second. So just hold off. Here's the thing. Unless you're sitting here today and you're full-blooded Native American, all of us were strangers here. There's not one of us that's not an immigrant here. Not one of us. Now, here's the thing. I realize that these issues are political and there's lots of weight to it. But if you don't love the foreigner the way God does, then you're not a follower of God. And I'm here to tell you that right now, the church, why we need new PR, is because I hear people who believe in Jesus say things about people who are seeking refuge in this amazing country, just like your four, 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 four fathers and mothers did. And you're talking about them in a way that betrays the heart of God. And I'm here to tell you, we need to be smart in our foreign policy as a country. We live in a a scary world, but at the same time, God doesn't dehumanize anybody because every single living soul is created in the image and likeness of God. Jesus is... Judging others is common, sadly. The world tends to try to separate people into groups of worthiness, belittling those who don't conform. However, as Pastor Daniel reminded you today, this goes against everything Jesus taught. Jesus loved everyone, accepting them exactly as they were. That includes you. That means that you need to do the same for others. Jesus wants you to follow his example in all your interactions. 
Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel will remind you to check yourself before jumping into conversations about gospel matters. There's many areas that you can find yourself feeling superior to others simply by the fact that they vote differently, come from a different background, or seem to sin in a different way. Don't let the differences cloud your interactions with them. Simply love them and share the gospel message. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time. As Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, Life Intention. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.